I'm Laura. And I'm Georgiana. And this is Decanterbury Tales. Mm-hmm. Hello, we're recording now. We are? Yeah, hooray for us. It doesn't tell me we're recording, but I guess it tells you that we're recording. Oh, there it yeah, is. There, okay. There it is. <laughs> there it is. I'm just making sure we get the content to you guys. We're <laughs> trying so hard. We've literally been on Zoom for like 15 minutes and now we're finally recording. If you're a sweet baby angel sound engineer that wants to be a part of our team, let us know because we don't know what we're doing. We're trying. At gmail.com. Your services would need to be free. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're, uh, we're, we're low budget right now. <laughs> Low budget, low budget, high quality, low budget. I spend all my money on champagne taste on a beer budget. Yep. That's true. That's true. Because many of the books. All right. Well, happy Mardi Gras. Happy Mardi Gras. Oh, I cut you off. I'm sorry. It's good. I was just going to say they don't come in paperback. So I'm buying hardcover and hardcover is pricey. Just take an extra $15 right there. Just was, so it's hard on the top. I was looking at the back of my Harry Potter book, you know, that I purchased uh, 20 years ago. It was like six bucks. Yeah. What? Yeah. No. Like six ninety nine no. or something like that or seven ninety nine. It was less than $10. So alarmingly cheap. They're like $15 a piece now. I know. And I really want um, one. Uh, I think they have one through three that are the the illustrated versions. Oh, those are so pretty. They're I want beautiful. them so bad. My, my friend has them and I'm very jealous that she. Is it the full book? I don't know. I I think. I would love to think. Because why yeah, would you cut out any of that genius? That's true. That's true. So I would, I would hope that they are full length, but I don't own them. So I, I don't know. It's on the list for your next book haul. I can't, I can't validate that right now. Like maybe someone will gift them to me. Wink, wink. (laughs) Nice. nice. <laughs> Fantastic. Wow. How about you buy me a copy and I'll buy you a copy? So then we won't feel like we're uh, spending money on ourselves. We're spending money on other people. But like you just buy one and ship it to yourself and I buy one and ship it to me. But we just say that we bought it for each other. It's from each other. <laughs> yeah. Can we save money on shipping and just buy them for ourselves and say that we bought them for each other? Yep, that's exactly what I'm saying. I'm being cheap and economical. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, but it is Mardi Gras. We can go back to that. Happy Mardi Gras. So it's a weird one. It's a weird year. (laughs) Happy Mardi Gras. Neither of us are in New Orleans doing anything Mardi Gras related. Yeah. So. No, I'm currently snowed in my house. I'm in my house at Will. 
Can't go anywhere. I'm in mm -hmm. my house at will. At will. At will. <laughs> I'm not able to leave. No, I'm, I'm able to leave. I'm just choosing not to. That's its own vibe all in its own. I know. I, Is that where we are in 2021? Where 2020, we were forced to leave and now we're just kind of happy that we can just choose to stay there if we want to? Are we back yeah. to that? I think we're, I think we've come full circle. I think we well, have. nice. So nice. Um, so how are go. you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm uh, being a little anxious, but I'm trying to reel that in. <laughs> we need to read a book on anxiety oh. so we can talk about anxiety. Yeah, I have developed anxiety. I never had it before the last probably six months. And in the last six months, I have like double downed on developing an anxiety disorder. Oh, I'm sorry. And I saw something that millennials are uh, all about. They know exactly what's wrong with them, but we have no action items to actually do anything with it. Therapy is a thing, but it's kind of like everyone's like, oh yeah, no, I'm depressed and have anxiety. I'm just letting you know you can work around it in the conversation. <laughs> just like a PSA. I mean, how many conversations have you had with people? About my anxiety? Like, Hi, so I have PTSD. <laughs> I mean, I like, don't leave with, with other that. people too. <laughs> no. That'd be a fun way to start conversations. Hi, what's wrong with you? <laughs> what are your issues? What are your issues? Do you want to commiserate? Let's do that. Honestly, Health insurance is expensive. <laughs> honestly, it would be very therapeutic, I'm sure. <laughs> and my therapist would be like, oh, uh, a break. She talked to somebody else. I love my therapist. Well, yes, I'm starting to go to one soon. So that's exciting. I hope you that love helps. your therapist as much as I love my therapist. I've had great therapists. And yes, therapists. That's fantastic. Multiple. I've heard horror stories. Multiple. Especially given their whole job is supposed to help you. So I'm yeah. glad to know that yours have been great. I... I, I feel better if I get like an hour a week where I just get to like say how I feel about things. And even if it's ridiculous, I got it out. Mm -hmm. So then in my mind, I feel mm. better. So and I basically turned all of my friends into mini therapists because I call all of you to just be like, let me just talk at you. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm guilty of that too, but I've been trying to reel it in because I, I feel that maybe other people are not quite as emotional as I am and don't want to hear about mine. And so I'm Maybe's like- Last case of emotions. You know, that hit hard. That hit hard. <laughs> I send that I send that gift way too many times. It fits too often in my life. 
It fits my whole life. We should talk about the book. We should, but first, do you want to talk about the wine? We can talk about the wine. You, you take that away. Yay. Okay. So we officially, well, when we're recording this, we have not announced our wine, but you guys will know by now. Our wine, which I just pulled it up. Uh, I'm reading this description off of gratefulpalette.com because it summed it up better than I could in any way, shape, or form. So we'll include so that in the notes. while it loads. Yes, we will include a link and some photos because that would be great. So, hold please. Jack, I'll be with you in a minute, okay? Yes, you may. That was my asking for permission to go next door. <laughs> Mom break. I'm going to cut that out. <laughs> or include it because Patricia is the mom. Hold, please. All right, y'all, this is truly the best. All right, so the wine is Southern Bell, which is a Syrah blend that is from Spain. The label is really what called to me. Uh, the designer is, they say, Mr. Kitty and Basora, and the artist is James Jean or James John, Jean, if you want to be French with it, Jean. Anyway, so it is a red blend. The description goes like this. Medium, deep, opaque purple color with a dark red rim. Initial aromas of blackberry and blueberry with underlying hints of red fruits give way to pleasing complex elements of vanilla and toffee. Soft, big, yet elegant mouthfeel, rich, full body density, superb balance and grip lead to long, long finish, carrying intense ripe fruit and complex flavors, soft, subtle, dramatic, sexy wine with a compelling yummy factor that screams, drink me. I, mean, I really couldn't have written it better. No, I, I was going to say, why would you come up with your own description when that was just so colorful? Now, what called to me originally was the label. It's so stunning. And there actually is a whole write-up on the labels. So here we go. Southern Bell was created to resemble fine china in the look of the label. One tradition of Southern Gothic literature is to subvert traditional stereotypes of the antebellum period. The element of hypocrisy plays a huge role in these characters. I've also had an interest in exploring gender issues through subtlety in much of my work. The first bottle is called Promiscuous Belle, wielding her deadly charms on her suitors. The second bottle, which is the one that I was able to get, is called the Morning Belle, which is M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. Like your morning, you're breaking with up. all and the last bunker who tries to contain troll appearances of the estate as if it were a dollhouse. Now I will link this and I will also include the pictures of each of the leading ladies on the bottle. So it's the same bottle, it just has three different potential labels on it. And that is Southern Belle. And in my opinion, it's delicious. I drank an entire bottle by myself. 
over the course of a weekend uh, in the mountains while I was reading this book. And I love, love, love it. It was just a really easy one. It was delicious. And it was, it was just very good. I really enjoyed it. Is this the one that you said needed to breathe for a minute? Yes. So I um, definitely decanted. I left it for about 20 minutes and it was delicious. It's good. Let good it tasting notes. Yeah, the tasting notes are stunning and they're completely correct. It was chef's kiss, a delicious. One. And I did drink it while I read the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. Uh, <laughs> it was perfect. So appropriate. And we are also going to make a vampire Bellini. And we because do have a cocktail this week. This we do month. have a cocktail. And um, whoop, whoop. Because the cover, as you all know, features those great peaches on it. And South Carolina is actually the number one producer of peaches in the United States. I did not know that. But which the world would have you believe it was Georgia. I guess Georgia. Sit down Georgia, I, South Carolina. I guess Georgia when I was posed with this question on a tour and I was wrong. So knowledge to know and share with your friends. Correct. Phenomenal. So, do we want well, to talk like, through the Bellini situation or do we want to tune into those episode notes? We'll, we'll tune into the episode notes for the Bellini. I feel like it's going to need a picture because I love, I love a Bellini. I, I don't have them often, but that's like a fun beverage for just a pick me up, you know? It is very fun. And uh, we had some in the Italy pavilion at Epcot and, <laughs> and we're no. back. So I think the last time I had a Bellini, I was at the beach and I sat on my balcony overlooking the um, H2O and it was lovely. I mean, I think that's like the definition of relaxation. I think so. And for those of you that have not had a Bellini before, it is basically a sparkling, I know it's normally Prosecco, but it's a sparkling wine with a peach nectar on top and it is mwah, delicious. And we're gonna make our own vampire themed version in the episode notes. So Bellini's Southern Belle, Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires by Grady Hendrix. Dope book. Phenomenal read. I know we're going to say that every month. Y'all are going to hear us go phenomenal read because we're not going to tell you guys to read something we didn't like. <laughs> no, I'm, I do a lot of research, guys. I read probably like five books a month and we pick one to discuss with you. And so there's some editing that gets done. Not to say that the the books that I read otherwise are not good. They're great, but just not the vibe. And we're trying to, you know, create some order here to keep things interesting. And so maybe we'll we're come back. We're trying to cultivate a good vibe on the book club. Yeah. And so we may come back to the, some of the other ones I've read, but 
Not yet. Not yet. So. Not your turn. It's not your turn. Sit down. Hold on. Sorry, oh, you. Please. Yeah. Sorry, you reminded me of Eliza in that. This joke's not for you. Wait your turn. This joke's not for you. Wait your turn. I mean, we haven't discussed Eliza and how much we love Eliza. That's true. Without a doubt, my favorite comedian, lots of quotes. Just go watch so Elder quotes. Millennial on Netflix. Pause this. Go watch Elder Millennial and come back. Pause. Stop what you are doing at this exact moment and go to Netflix. Buy your passion planner while you're watching. Yes. All right. Open your phone. Pull up passionplanner.com and then uh, head over to your TV and pull up Netflix and watch that while you order your passion planner. And then you can come hang out with us again because those are the qualifications for sitting with us. Hashtag not an ad, but hashtag sponsor us. I mean, do comedians sponsor things? I would love for a No, life. Netflix. Oh, Netflix. I want Netflix to sponsor things. Duh. Duh. Going hot with Netflix. Yep. Love, <laughs> love Netflix. Also love Amazon. This book is going to hopefully be an Amazon series, which is super cool. Very cool. Uh, just a, just so happened while we were doing our research. Uh, it's still in baby phases. So hopefully we'll find out and you can say that you read it. I read the book before it was an Amazon series. Isn't that so gratifying? Everyone. Hmm? That's so gratifying. Right? Like, yeah. You get to be the hipster of the book world. Welcome, everyone. <laughs> so what the cover drew me to this book. That's why I picked this book. Like you picked the wine you picked because you liked the label. I saw this cover. You're selecting with, things at face value. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of psychology with that and I'm not going to get into it, but it was a very striking cover with the black and then the peaches and the vampire teeth marks in it. And marks. it just, I wanted to read it. And then I found out it's set in South Carolina over in Mount Pleasant, which is across a bridge for me. And it just, it was like, I need to read this. I need to do it. And the lady at the bookstore was like, oh my God, this is a great read. Great read. Do it. I finished it in a weekend. You finished it oh. in a weekend. And the the meat of the yeah, book quick lived read. up to the cover hype. That's true. The cover didn't lie to us. The cover said, like, read me. This is going to be great. And uh, it was. It was. I really appreciated it. Yeah, thanks, I love the cover. Hmm? So thanks, Grady. Yeah, thanks, Grady. You did well. You did good. Thanks. No, I, I love how this book, you know, presents things at face value, but there's so much complexity to it. It's, it's really not about the horror of vampires per se. Yes, there is um, the, the main character and the threat of vampires, but it really talks about how terrifying 
life can be and how it's not really the monsters under your bed that are the scary, scary things in this world. It's the everyday things that you come in contact with. And I mean, thinking yeah, about- and we've talked about that a lot. The oppressive society that made this situation possible. The yeah. gaslighting, the infidelity, the people not taking her seriously, Patricia, and listening to her, you know, and everybody turning against her and her husband, a psychologist, telling her she's crazy. You know, yeah. like not being taken seriously. Like those are scary things. Yeah. I feel like we talked about this too, is that to boil all that down is like the scary parts aren't really the vampire parts. It's the parts that can happen to you. Yeah. And the parts that you could see happening to you in real life and the reality of that situation of, oh, our husbands lied to us. Oh, they all ganged up on us. Oh, they're gaslighting us and telling us we're crazy. Oh, and those are all things that happen to people all the time, mm-hmm. every day. And the structure in which that society was based where you do have a bunch of housewives who are completely dependent upon their husbands for financial security. And their job is to stay home and take care of the kids and blah, blah, blah. And basically when they step out of their lane, they're put back in their place for multitude of reasons. One of which just being, you know, the fear of embarrassment and no, no, no. And I think Patricia throwing all that caution to the wind and saying like, I don't care if I'm embarrassed, like something is happening and I'm going to risk it all in order to try to save people. I feel like was the big like leap there. Mm -hmm. And you know, what I think is really interesting that he put it in the nineties that set up the perfect stage and environment for this to be plausible. I think if it was set present day, okay, you would, the housewife narrative, not quite as common, definitely still common, but I don't know. It just, it it set it up perfectly. There's a lot more women in the workforce now. There are. Good for you, ladies. And and, um, but what James Harris did not think about was that these women interact with each other on the daily. Yeah. Like they're not separated. Like he thinks they are involved in each other's lives and motherhood is truly what triumphs over evil Mm -hmm. because it truly isn't until James Harris goes after her daughter that Patricia is truly stirred to real action Mm -hmm. it's only when he goes after her and she realizes that it's been going on for a long time that you know she finally stirs everyone to action and I mean, she, 
she goes to Miss Green and she's like, I hear you, I see you. What are we going to do about this? Yeah. And so, I mean, I think it's a beautiful tribute to motherhood and just how powerful that emotion is and everything that you would do to not only protect your own children, but other people's children too. I, I think that's like the great, just powerful force that wrangles them all together and binds them together despite all of their differences. Yeah. So like, I mean, you're a mom. No, I feel like that's true of a lot of causes. Yeah. Did that like hit home with you? Correct. You are mom. <laughs> you are mom. Correct. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it really did. It. I can sympathize with Patricia, but I don't see myself as Patricia. I don't think anyone wants to see themselves as Patricia. But I definitely know if something was happening to my my child, I would definitely be up in arms about it and I would change something and something would happen and I would not care if someone believed me or not. There's just that innate need to protect your own that I think kind of permeates motherhood. But I feel like any and all children end up falling under that motherhood umbrella and I'm sure not all moms feel this way but I definitely think you know in the movies where there's that you know all the apocalypse movies there's always that one scene where there's like one kid like holding a stuffed animal being like mom and your heart just like breaks for them and it's the super mom that like runs and like snatches them up and saves them before like the building falls on them that's that's the scene in my head that I'm playing right now is kind of innately I feel like when you become a mother, it just, it definitely does psychologically change you. I believe that. I hope so. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> like, I don't know, but okay. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take your word for it. No, I, I, yeah. I, I don't, I can't speak to things I don't know anything about, but I can imagine that to be like very visceral. Yes. Yes. That is a good word to use, visceral. Must protect the children. <laughs> the children. Oh no. <laughs> Not the voices. <laughs> Not the voices. Oh no. <laughs> she can see me. She can see the voices stirring inside of me. I know, she's trying so hard not to put on a weird act right now. <laughs> we'll spare you. I'm taking everything in my power to not be like, weird. I just wanna. <laughs> That's funny. Oh okay. man. The book. We need to keep talking about the book and not my weird. You do need to keep talking about the book. Yeah, and we, you know, we touch on true crime a lot and the kind of emergence of true crime and how now being kind of a true crime fanatic is trendy. There's so many podcasts, shout out my favorite murder, 
and books and TV shows, you've got a lot of abbreviation shows, SVU, CSI, Criminal Minds, you know, we're fascinated with true crime. And a lot of it, I'm sure, boils down to just being intrigued and fascinated with like the worst of humanity. Not in like a huzzah, I want to go do that, but in a seeing it broken down in a safe way. Mm-hmm. In hindsight, I survived is another one. First 48. I mean, I, I could go on for hours on all the different TV shows, TV specials. I mean, even Netflix now has all those true crime documentaries. I've watched the majority of them. I can't help myself. They're so good. They're so good. It's, I think, I think it says kind of a, a lot about our society. We're kind of fascinated with the bad and the ugly and, you know, you can turn on the news and that's, you know, terrifying too. And, you know, so I think it was really interesting tangent uh, with the pandemic when the news started shifting in part to people showing acts of kindness and how we were all together through this and good news and how people take care of each other. And that's what humanity is in a world where we are fascinated with the complete opposite, like the real, like dark part of humanity. There was definitely a lot of moves towards sharing good news, especially on, I mean, there was that whole thing on Facebook where people were like, share something positive that happened to you today. The world's dark and scary. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. And even our local radio show started doing a segment called um, I Need Some Good News and it had a little song, but they shared like one or two warm fuzzy stories every day of like happy news. And one of them was like a little boy did a lemonade send and donated all the money to the local fire station or something. Very cute story, but there was just, I know, so sweet, just such a change in the cultural need for news because we are getting news in so many places now between social media, Twitter, Facebook ads. My phone gives me news updates for on, you know, it'll be like breaking news, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, please don't send me these. I don't need any more breaking news. not to mention the actual TV news. So I just think we're bombarded with news 24 seven. And in an age where there was no good news, it was, you know, refreshing to get a surge of positivity in the world, which was nice. But Netflix kept giving me them dark documentaries and that's really what I wanted. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'll watch a documentary any day. But that also, you know, kind of is a testament to why this book works so well. It, it, it gives you the scary. It gives you that, that fix that you kind of need for that horror of, oh, this could happen to me. That's terrifying. But in the end, you know, good does triumph over evil yes it's not you know tied up with a bow but 
in the end, good does prevail. And banding together to achieve that good and triumph over evil yeah. is what, you know, we need in our souls. Yeah, totally. I love that Miss Mary finally gets understood at the very end. Can we talk about how weird that her ghost came back and talked to her? Like, yeah, I'm not a big paranormal person, but Patricia being like, I'm insane, I'm insane, I'm insane, I'm insane. I saw Miss Mary and then Miss Green going, I saw her too. And I was like, no way. <laughs> yep. No, no, no. I mean, I was kind of waiting for the book to sit there and tell me, oh, no, Patricia's crazy. This is all in her head. Like, she fabricated this whole thing. Yeah, I was waiting for that very last page to be like, and then Patricia woke up and she'd been in a coma the whole time. (laughs) Yep, I was kind of waiting. Because, I mean, yeah, you and I talked about it. The rat scene, the rat scene is where it started. And (laughs) it is. And you're sitting there and I love how no one mentions that. Or it actually starts with the lady next door going crazy and then like biting off Patricia's ear. We should have and like I, known. Okay, we're just gonna take that as face value. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Psychotic lady eating a raw dead raccoon. Okay. Okay. We're just gonna we're just gonna go with it. Yep. Yep. And I think that no one mentions that again. No, it was just like, okay, that's that's normal. No. Can we also talk about the police in that area being horrible at their jobs? <laughs> like a like, if the fact that household gossip was like she was emaciated and hadn't eaten in days, and she had all these track marks on her inner thighs, and she was clearly doing drugs. It's like y'all didn't want to investigate that. Y'all didn't think y'all should maybe investigate that. Come no? on, due diligence there. Oh, okay, needs to be done. But yeah. the, the rat scene. Get it together. That rat scene really got me. Like, <laughs> you when you read it, you- We talked about it in our interview with Grady. You texted me and you were like, oh, oh, that's happening. And I was like, yeah. Because I read the rat scene. I read it. And then I flipped back the page and read it again. And then kept reading and was like, oh, no, this wasn't a flashback or a dream. She's not hallucinating. Her the rats are literally getting shot off by rats. Atta- like, <laughs> oh, this is real <laughs> in the book. She's not hallucinating. This is, in fact, happening. So, yeah. And then I texted you and said, so I just read the rat scene. <laughs> that was gnarly. That's when I was like, I was already invested in the book, but that was when I sat down and I finished because I couldn't come back from that. I just, I had to know. That's the point where Grady Hendrix hooked me. I was like, I'm in, I'm buying into your narrative, whatever you are doing, sold. proceed yeah proceed (laughs) there's no going back that oh I just like 
but like that's the stuff as a reader that you're like gobbling up just oh yeah oh yeah I mean, it was just so good. So messed up, but so good. Well, and then finding out that originally it was supposed to be cats is hilarious to me. That is funny. But <laughs> look, I, cats don't care enough to attack like that. And I don't think I would ever be able to look at cats the same way if it had been cats. Yeah, no, no kitties. Like well, then cats. I was like, what a great way to go, snuggled in cute kitty softness while they devour your whole face. <laughs> no, and, you know, rats Rats are kind of a, an ill-favored animal anyway, so I'm, I'm good with them. And they're out in the vampire lore anyway. They are. It, it fit. It was, a, it was a good fit. I'm glad that they switched to rats because <laughs> just no bueno on no, the no. other one I know well moving through the book I mean then we hit you know Patricia's literal breakdown where she takes all the pills and oh that flip of the page where it says three years later mm. Mm. I literally closed the book and went what what <laughs> no three years no she she bought into it you know like as we were saying like we thought you know maybe at the end of the book and then Patricia woke up like I think she she was bullied into believing that she was wrong yeah that she was crazy well and then Carter was manipulating her so hard with taking the kid like the stuff that he pulled on her when she was in the hospital like bringing the kids in and forcing the kids to see her there all chained up and just manipulative and honestly just a like narcissist like he knew better no mm-hmm. no and 100 percent of it was centered around appearances and the fact that um the money it was yeah. all based around the money. He he had a good thing going with his financial investment, and he was not going to let his wife ruin that. And he would do whatever he needed to do to keep the peace. Yeah. And I think, you know, all of the husbands in their own way, which I don't know necessarily on there's one of them like one of them they're like her husband's abusive one of them used the bible the other one used his law practice and the fact that he's a police officer and blah 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 like or that he like that's part of his job is the law and then carter's psychology practice and the fact that basically her stunt as he called it cost him his promotion I, I just think so much of it was just their selfishness. And, you know, at that time, everyone was like getting as much money as they could as fast as they could. And, and since they were housewives, their contributions weren't validated. They weren't bringing any money to the table and cleaning they the house. They weren't valued at all. Taking care of the kids and, 
everything that they did didn't matter. They didn't see that as a, a relevant contribution to their life and well-being and happiness. And they took it for yeah. granted. In fact, and I think that's one of them said something in the book where it's like, without us, it all falls apart. Without us, like, who's going to clean your house? Who's going to take care of your children? Um, it just, you know, that those those things that might seem meaningless truly do have value in the long term. Absolutely. Which is nice. Because I also don't want to come across that, like, we're hating on housewives. We're not. More power to you if you're able to stay home and care for your family and that's your calling, 100% support support to you housewives I don't know how you do it yeah you're a blessing to society I saw an Instagram meme that was like adulthood is cleaning the kitchen always whether you are home not home whatever you are always cleaning the kitchen and that is the it's so true statement on the planet I am always wiping down the kitchen whether I have been out of town for a week or been chilling at my counter all day, I'm cleaning the kitchen. There's oh no, no hate on housewives, just respect. So much respect. No, I, I have never I been able to be a housewife. Yeah, no, I've never been able to be a housewife. I was one briefly during quarantine when I was furloughed and uh it was so stressful so stressful and I was like like and my work life is so stressful like I will tell you guys that forever that like being a working parent is stressful being a stay-at-home mom is a different kind of stress um and I feel like there's so many times where I think they feel like they're not allowed that space to say I'm stressed and I am overwhelmed because I feel like the first reaction is like, well, you don't work. So yes, you work, you raise tiny humans. Be nice to them because they go out into society and they will eventually hopefully pay taxes and vote appropriately. <laughs> so look. I, no, it's just- Dear housewives, we see you. We, yeah. So much respect. I just it it takes it takes a village. And during quarantine, they had no village. You were on an island. You were an island. No, and I remember you when were, you were um, in quarantine, you had your your mommy walks, where you were like, yes. "This is my hour that I go take a break from." being stay-at-home mom. I was like, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> One hour in the neighborhood walking on the phone and I just, yeah, I needed it every single day during quarantine. I was like, I gotta get out of the house. I'm gonna go for a walk, walk around the neighborhood, keep my distance from human beings and talk on the phone. And mommy gets her one hour of mommy time where it's like, yeah! just screams into the void which is my phone at you thank you my for listening to me during this my favorite is when you would be on your walk and jack would come up and be like i want to walk with you and you're like i love you jack but go now 
I love you very much. No. <laughs> Stay home. Go play basketball and come back later. I need my one hour. One hour is all I ask for. One. Oh, man. Man. Stay at home, moms. We love you. We appreciate you. Yep. It's insane. I know. Uh, where are we at the book? We got through Patricia's breakdown. Yeah, three years later, and somehow James Harris is like king of the freaking town. King what is that business? Huh? King of the castle. King of the castle. Hmm? He's the king of the castle. Yeah, pretty much. He built his big, ugly. I like how they're like, I hate his big, ugly house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of momminess, there's there's your baby. Jack, I love you. We'll hang out later. <laughs> hey, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> there he goes. Hi. Are you gonna? Eventually, I'm trying to record right now. Oh, I love you so much. Don't make the wrap up hand. I'll wrap up when I'm ready. Go. You're making it take longer. <laughs> cut that out. <laughs> no, don't cut that out. That's case in point right there. Case in point. I'm currently a stay at home mom today, except I'm working, but because of the snowstorm. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. You know. I mean, we got to discuss Slick. That was such a devastating loss for me. That. Yeah, I was really upset with what happened to her because in the end, she straight up said like she thought she she thought she was doing the right thing. I just. And I think her realizing. Yeah. It's. I guess it's some people just being she just was very naive in thinking that and she even says it like I was stupid and I was naive thinking that I I was gonna do it I was gonna save everyone mm -hmm. you know, and it turned out to be kind of her downfall and her undoing it's like really upsetting I remember that whole conversation and then Patricia showing up and the whole family being downstairs playing a board game Everything is fine. Oh, yeah. It's just like, everything's fine. Nothing to see here. Everything's fine. Not fine. And her not being able to tell her husband when in reality her husband's cheating on her. Like, it's like, you can't, you're ashamed because you were assaulted in your own home. And you can't tell your husband because you're ashamed and embarrassed by it. And then turns around because you were, you know, you feel like you were being, um, you want to say infidelity. What's the one version word of that? You were being um, unfaithful to your husband, even though you didn't have a true, like you didn't actually do it. When it turns out he's being 100% unfaithful anyway. Like, what marriage bond? <laughs> I mean, that is, that just was a roller coaster of messed up, just like snowballing, everything just getting worse and worse and worse for her. Well, and it falls apart in small increments until the very end. Yep. But, you know, Slick being hospitalized is ultimately what kind of brings the gang back together like it's true they're like 
no no like they're because then slick is on patricia's side she sees it she knows and that power and numbers sort of ideal that it's not just patricia it's not just in her head slick sees it slick knows it and vouches kind of for her to be like okay moms band together super mom force let's do this yeah and i mean i think as much as the moms do it for the kids they do it for each other providing that validation to them that they are not alone they are not crazy yeah I think that was a big one is them just being like I don't care if they think we're crazy we need like we're gonna do this we have to do this ourselves he's yep. too ingrained he's on the other like he's on the inside there's no way we can get a leg up on him if he knows it's coming and it's got to be us because it's not going to be anybody else yeah like who are they going to trust their husbands <laughs> oh and then when they call the police and they're going to tell the police that all the husbands show up. Oh, I was so mad. Sorry, we're backtracking a little bit. I was so <sighs> Oh, yeah. I was so upset at that. I was like, the amount of betrayal, I was like, no. No. So ugly. No. And then when they're like, he's outside, you can apologize to him right now. I was like, no. <laughs> no. It just shock and it was like we're gonna embarrass them to the point that they drop it and they never bring it back up again three years later and we flip a page three years later it's like oh it worked oh it hurts us it hurts us a lot oh I was and the fact that he stole book club really upsets me <gasps> I know the men stealing book club I was like how dare you that's sacred. The book you? club is sacred. That's lady time. Well, that that yeah. was lady time. That is their one night a month where they talked crime, true crime, and and just girl talk. Shared their ideas and took were able to be power. themselves without trying to hmm? it took away their power. Yeah. It absolutely was completely disarming and getting them away from each other, taking away their time where they were alone together, where, I mean, they were even bringing their kids. Like it took away the one place where they were able to find strength in each other. Yep. It was just, oh, I feel like- Not my book club. So, I, I, this book made us so mad. I was very the patriarchy in the 90s. Is what it was. I was like, how dare that? <laughs> Damn patriarchal society. <laughs> Go away. And there is, it does touch on some social injustice issues. And I don't want to, I'm not as well versed on social justice uh, rhetoric and being able to fully discuss that. I personally support you know, the strive for justice. I just personally am not educated in that field as well as I would like to for us to dive into that on this podcast. 
However, I'd love to put some links on the episode notes to hopefully educate myself and other people. And if you're wanting to look to places to donate to help social justice, social justice issues, I will do a little bit of research and link that in the episode notes because I personally think I could probably do better as a citizen, Absolutely. especially given our current climate in the middle of Black Lives Matter in the past year and all that. I feel like that is something that even now it's something that I probably don't know as much as I should. Yep. A second thought. Fantastic. Because I definitely think that does play a big part. Uh, race and class issues are so prevalent in this book on why he preyed on the Mrs. Green's neighborhood because it was a group and that's kind of predators in general and, and serial killers work on marginalized groups. And I think that that is a huge issue. And that's what Grady Hendrix was saying. It was like, this is a marginalized community next to an affluent community. And by preying on the marginalized community, he, James Harris didn't think that anybody would care. Super messed up. But that's how he thought he was gonna get away with it. And, and that well, and that's also how a lot of killers do get away with it. You get away with it. So, and I mean, that's what we're finding out now with a lot of these deep dives for true crime and on, you know, Ted Bundy, on, you know, the Zodiac Killer, on all so many different named killers that, you know, they preyed on specific people in society that some of them were high profile, but some of them were, you know, you get people who prey on specifically prostitutes or specifically children in marginalized communities because they don't think anyone will pay attention, which is wrong. Very wrong. I, I this was a, this was a big book. It covered a lot. I know. I, I, it was heavy. It was very light, but it was very heavy. There's a lot to unpack. It covered a lot of very heavy topics. Yeah. But then the dialogue is hilarious. Mm-hmm. I laughed so much at the housewifery back and forth. Yeah. About like they spelled something with a K. They think it's cute, but it's not. <laughs> it's just like so many little quips that are hilarious. So many little quips. And like just like the fact that they knew how to clean up a murder scene because they they were masterful at cleaning the house because you know that was discounted that you know that wasn't important between the two of us we have like 40 years yeah and we're like we got this we can we can clean this whole house it's not gonna look like anybody died here like no one was murdered here we promise it's magical and oh Patricia sitting in the attic the whole time. And him like sitting around, like stalking her, like, I know you're in here. And she finds the body in the suitcase. I can't wait for that to be in the show. 
That's disgusting. Oh yeah, no, so much. It was gross. It was gross. I but mean, the fact that the other lady saw it and still couldn't like come to terms with it. Mm. That kind of reminded me of like uh, Disturbia a little bit, that movie. Mm-mm-mm. Just with all the bodies sitting there. Oh, creepy. Not into it. Ugh, gross. And, you know, well, I know we've kind of bantered. Hmm? Oh, I was just going to say, and James Harris is alive in a box. <sighs> He is still alive, but he's never coming back. That's what we were told. Yep. We have confirmation from Grady Hendrix that he is definitely still alive, but he's never coming back. And it kind of feels nice that he's going to sit in there and rot for eternity in pieces. Yep. That feels that. nice. Also, the his confirmation that there are others like him. That was cool. That's not mentioned yep. in the books. That was a little exclusive. That there are others like James Harris that kind of operate similar to predatory animals where they have kind of hunting grounds that are their state claimed areas. So we thought that was really cool. So if you haven't listened to our interview with Grady Hendricks, that was our episode that was released on the 17th. So if you guys want to check that out and listen to his kind of take on some behind the scenes stuff that he hasn't really divulged anywhere else. So that's a little Decanterbury Tales exclusive for you. Woo to the who. Woo to the who. If no, you really- have a book that what well, it was really cool. Uh as we always say, if you have a book or a wine that you want us to test out or maybe pair with something, always shoot us an email, hit us up on Twitter or on Instagram. It's decanterberrypod at gmail.com and decanterberrypod on Instagram and Twitter. Any housekeeping? Still haven't decided our book yet. We still haven't decided our March book, so we'll include a little tidbit. Uh, Pay attention to the Instagram and the Twitter. Maybe we'll make a specific blog post. Fill you guys in on our March book. We've really had a lot of uh, contenders, but we're trying to pick a good flow for you guys. Uh, The wine bundle for Longboard Vineyards is still live till the end of February, so please don't miss that. Promo code MERMAIDS for 15% any three bottles or purchase the discounted wine bundle and have it shipped to you. And for our February book, um, uh, pairing with the wine, Southern Bell. If you find the other labels that Laura didn't have, definitely snap a pic and send it to us because we would like to see them in IRL. Yes, tag us on Instagram or Twitter. And... um, We'll be coming with Bellini shortly. Yeah, so we'll do some fun things. Maybe we'll do a little Instagram live of us making Bellinis. That would be fun. That would be fun. Good idea. Thank you. Anyway, so you guys uh, have a good one. Stay tuned for our March announcements and uh, bottoms up. Stay weird. <laughs>